She was 22 years old when she received news that would completely change her life. Through the tragic loss of her husband, and then witnessing signs that he was still with her in spirit, Courtney remained open to what life would bring her way. Now she uses her experiences and her open mind as a way to connect with people in a deeply incredible way. Join me for Courtney's story. This is the Highway to Healing. Courtney, 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 here we are. I am so thrilled that you are on this podcast. You have had things, right? Like everybody else that have happened in their lives, but I think you have an incredible story to share. As you and I were talking before, a lot of people are feeling overwhelmed and tired and scattered. And frankly, people listening right now might feel like they've reached the end of their rope. And I think it's through you telling us, you know, at least part of your story during this episode about what has happened to you and shed some light on what people could do to move forward in their own lives. So first of all, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you and be in this space. It is definitely um, a heavy energy that the world is in, especially our country. I think just the added little benefit of everything else that's been going on. So um, I'm just going to do my best to see what I can share because obviously my story can get very sad and, and heavy, but I'll just touch on it briefly just so people can kind of understand where I've been and how I rose back up, I guess you could say. So to give a little background, this was about 20 plus years ago now already, which just blows my mind that that much time has already gone by, but yeah, 22 years actually. So I was a young little, little sass. (laughs) I just was living life, you know, wild and carefree with my husband, uh, my high school sweetheart. So, you know, somebody that, um, that knew me and we grew up together and gosh, again, it was our early twenties. So we were still so young and, um, but just living life and having fun. And then he went on a camping fishing trip with his friends So something that he liked to do and wasn't thinking anything twice about it. Although I will add this in that even my intuition before I really even understood intuition and knew what all this, you know, was that we could play with did actually, um, step in that day. That was my last time of seeing him. And so I did have this overwhelming feeling like I just miss you already. And I'm just going to miss you so much. And again, I was just a a young little crazy girl. So, um, he was sitting there and was like, "Uh, you can reach me, you know, this is again before cell phones. So this was in the day of pagers, if you could believe it. So he's like, I'll give you um, a number so that you could reach me. And then he was going to have to borrow somebody's, you know, very archaic cell phones to basically stand on top of a truck to to try to reach me, you know, Um, but he was trying to reassure me. And so I just said to him, I just love you so much. And I put my head on his chest and I was literally crying. And this didn't make sense because he was just going for an overnight camping fishing trip. But I even watched him walk down 
um, to the, to the sidewalk and in the truck, I watched him like put his arm up on the side and kind of put his head up on his arm. And that was the last moment that I saw him. And then that night I had another overwhelming feeling like, oh, I just really want to get a hold of him. But I couldn't remember the numbers. I left the stupid piece of paper with the pager number. So I was like, oh, well, we were pretty good with numbers back then when you had to remember phone numbers. So I'm like, I'm going to try a couple. Well, I tried. One was a pager. I never actually got to speak to him that night. Um, I went over to his mom's house to stay there because he knew uh, he didn't want me to be alone. So he's like, just go stay with my mom. It'll be fine. And we had never really been alone so, apart from each other, I should say. So that night, here's the intuition again, that night when I was going to bed, there was a really loud clock on the wall. And I was like, oh, that's so annoying. It's just, I'm like, I'm never going to fall asleep. And then it was the morning that we obviously were awoken. There was a phone call. And so I heard the phone ringing in the other room, but I couldn't understand what was happening because of that darn clock. And then sure enough, I was like, okay, you've got to get out of this room. You have to see what's going on. Cause I couldn't understand if it was laughing or if it was really intense crying that I was hearing on the other side of this wall. So I go to the door and I just had this feeling from head to toe that when I put my hand on that doorknob, it was just never going to be the same. My life would never be the same. And so I opened the door and I kind of peeked my head out. And as I did, I see his mom walking up to her side wall of her bedroom. She puts her head up against her arm against the wall. And then she just is hysterically crying. So I said, whatever I said to get her attention, she sees me. She just instantly runs to the hallway, grabs my arms, and then just falls to the floor and is just saying something that I can't understand. So I have to make it out. And I'm like, uh, are, what are you saying? Are you saying he's dead? He's dead. Who's dead? And then lo and behold, I was like, my husband is dead. And that's, that's the first thing that came to me. And so it was just like this repetitive mode. Now it's like, okay, this has to somehow sink in. So to shorten up this story a little bit, cause it's obviously intense. Like I said, it could go really really, really heaven, really low that, you know, those first moments of like, you start to put these pieces together and then you're denying it in every way possible. So whatever little piece of information was coming in, it was like, nope, nope, nope. That's not him. See, that doesn't make sense. So there's all of that mind game, instant mind game that happens. But of course, you know, he was truly um, gone. And so I just had to learn how to go through this whole thing of burying my husband and Oof, that whole story is a whole other thing, but I'll just quickly tap on that little bit of intuition again that comes to you. So the first, so that was a Sunday morning. And the first time I actually got to see his body was on a Monday night um, for my personal viewing time with him. And you're so young, you don't even understand what these concepts are of like, okay, what does that mean? What do I do? Like my A personality was like, okay, let's plan. Let's go into list mode and let's see what we need to bring with us. I don't know what I was thinking, but it just, um, I just knew how he was. And so when I walked into, to see him, um, I just knew he wasn't going to like his hair. So somehow I had brought like a comb with me and like water with me. I don't know. I was just in like fixing mode. So, but the, but the point I wanted to say about that was when I went to walk into this viewing room, it was the same thing as like when I was standing before that door, I knew I was entering in and it was just, 
I had no strength left in me at that point. It was just, I was numb. I was weak. I couldn't really stand on my own. And there was this feeling again, head to toe that just came in. And I really felt like it was him and it was his strength. And it was like, you're going to get through this. And I just did find this like extra bit of strength where I walked into that room to see this man that I loved in this casket at the end of the hall at the end of this long, narrow room. And it was just so like, this is really happening. But those were my moments that were like already, you know, this is something telling you all these things that you need to know. And that's, I think, how I began to rise up out of this is just this inner knowingness of how to navigate, even though you have no idea how to navigate. And I really wanted to find hope. I wanted to find strength. I wanted to Cause I had had my moment of, of course, well, long moment of having the, I don't want to get up out of this bed. I don't want to live again. I, you know, I wanted to just basically go join a nunnery. I was like, I'm done. I can't imagine loving again, living again, all of these things. And so at some point, I know that there was this inner knowing that had to like make a choice that was saying, either you're going to go towards God or you're going to go away from God. So it was really before I had this whole spiritual, true depth connection that came from losing him, that came from trying to find this and where I am today in the work that I do. But at the moment, all I really knew was like, okay, I was raised Catholic, didn't really totally jive with the whole going to mass thing and listening to a priest, you know. <laughs> but here I was like, that was what I had. I, I prayed as a little girl. So that's what I went back to was praying. And I was super scared and I didn't know what to do at night. I was alone all by myself in this house that we, you know, had together, but it was, it was scary. I had never been alone. I was young. And so I just prayed and I was like, please give me the strength and please help me, you know, understand whatever I need to know. And so that's where it really started to, you know, lead me down this path to going, okay, what's going to get you through is this connection. And so I remember there were some people in my life at the time that didn't really believe and was like, already I was questioning myself. So I just had to be like laser focus into this zone of like, okay, I'm just going to believe that there is something beyond this and that he isn't gone and that he is still with me. And then I started to see the signs and that's what was so like, Oh my gosh, instantly again at his funeral, there was a bunch of different signs that had happened um, on our way to the funeral. There was a song that we had danced to at his brother's wedding. So that was kind of like our last little moment for something like that. And it was that song. And so it was just really crazy. And then being with all his friends and we were celebrating him, there was a whole flock of birds in the, in the sky that were in the um, shape of an M, which was his first name, Mike. So it was just certain things like that, that, you know, you're like, well, I could chalk that up to coincidence, but that's a little bit (laughs) coincidental uh, at these perfect moments, you know, and then there was independent moments that happened for me the first time I had gone back to our house and, um, there was a beautiful, like two rainbow going from our gate and then over our house. And one was a little faded. So it was just like, wow, this is so unbelievable. 
that I didn't understand this whole spiritual connection. Like I said, I just kind of had a little bit of a relationship with God. And then these things led me to go, there's more, there's more to it than this. And there's got to be more of a purpose to life than just wake up, go to work, do your thing and repeat mode. And that's what led me on this very long journey of where I am today, which is finding hope and then healing my pain and healing all of that. Um, because that was, that was a way that I kind of coped was that I thought, well, if I just hold on to pain, then I'm holding on to him. And then he's present in my life and I'm honoring him and I'm honoring our great love story. If I just hold on to this pain, because you lose all the physical, right? I ended up selling our house, our dogs that we had together eventually passed on. And so all these things that you have, those last tangible things you see leaving. And so the last thing that you really have is that pain. And so what happened for me was I found Reiki. And so I was led to Reiki and it was just this like, oh my gosh, I don't understand this, but something is happening here. And so I just kept with it. And then it led me into, I couldn't believe it, but an actual career path of helping other people with their pain and with understanding their emotions and how to live, you know, in this world that we're in right now. So that was a really long-winded answer to give you, but <laughs> that's how, how best I can kind of summarize all of that crazy life experience that I've lived. Yeah. I mean, I've had chills from head to toe several times as you've been telling your story. I also have a heaviness in my chest. Um, do you mind sharing how he passed? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So when he went to that camping fishing trip, he, um, was, they were all going to bed at night. And so nobody of course knows the exact thing, but this is what we details that we do know is that, um, when they were all going to bed in the tent that he was in with his best friend, his, his best friend had kind of already, um, turned over and was already going to sleep. So that's why we don't really have a good idea, but he must've either been like preparing, like putting a bullet in his gun for the evening, or maybe just taking a bullet out something like that. But the chamber must've slipped and the bullet went into his leg and it just, you know, happened to be that it was a pretty big caliber. It was a 40 caliber gun. It was a hollow tip uh, bullet. So it was just bad, bad all around. And then the really scariest part is that if it hadn't gone into his leg, it would have gone into his best friend's head that happened to be there. So it was just, you know, it, it's just literally one of those feelings of like, God reached down and I felt like just whoosh right out, you know, just one of those, like get God's hand coming down something really, really tragic, but, um, either way it was, it was going to be it was going to be horrific for him to go through. So they believe that was when he probably went to stand up to get out of the tent. Um, cause they said he kind of slipped that the, um, the bullet obviously probably shattered inside with the bone and that something cut the main artery of his, you know, that main, main artery that's in your leg, kind of in that hip joint. And so, um, they had to call flight for life because they were really far out at Lake Mead at like Nelson's landing. And so it was really hard for flight for life to even get to him. So it was just like all the cards were stacked against. Yeah. So. Oh my 
God. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm sure that there were some people listening and now my chest is starting to lighten. So, whew, yeah, um, I am sorry for your loss. I really am. Uh, I was touched by your vulnerability and sharing that and the synchronicities that came forward after his passing. How did you begin to pick yourself up? You mentioned Reiki. Some people listening may not even know what Reiki is. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you got into Reiki and what it means for you? Um, Because I think that part of your story is critical for the audience to understand that, yes, you went through this incredibly difficult time, but then it led you into these really miraculous things in your life. And now you're helping so many people. So if you could help us understand that part, that would be great. Yeah, definitely. And, and Reiki didn't come in until like a 10 year span. So, um, where I first started was journaling and I, I just, cause I had journaled ever since I was a little girl. It was just my thing. And so I did start to journal right away and try to remember everything. So I wasn't a person who stopped talking about him. I talked about him all the time and with everybody. And we still had celebrations for him. And every year of the anniversary of his passing, I made it a celebration um, as best as I could. You know, some years are harder than others. But um, and I actually the, the sad thing, too, is that we buried him the day before Thanksgiving. So sometimes his anniversary falls on Thanksgiving. So I try to be very thankful and grateful. And, you know, all the time that we did have it was short, but we did have amazing time together. So and then um, I, I did accomplishments. I, I set things for myself that I was like, I want to achieve this. And I just, you know, that was how I got through the first couple of years. I wanted to go to college. And so I just, you know, put like head down and tried to do, you know, the best I could graduate with honors. So that was like a little pat on the back, like, good for you, girl. <laughs> you <know>? So <laughs> yeah, that was probably how I got through the first, um, 10 years was just like really setting goals and being with people and celebrating life and trying to be, you know, um, in that energy of, uh, life moves on. Cause that's what he would tell me. And then when Reiki came about, um, I was actually in school to become an esthetician. And so it was just one of these like completely random as it usually is from spirit. It's like completely random, but I was asking the teacher about like essential oils. And she said, Oh, my friend teaches a class on essential oils. And she also teaches a class on Reiki. So, um, I had no idea what Reiki was, but I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And this is not my personality to go to somebody's house on a Saturday. You know, this is 2008 or 2009. And, um, Um, before like really these things, you know, had kind of gotten out there. And so, um, but I just was so led and I just was like, yes, I just felt this big yes, calling me to go to this woman's house and learn Reiki. So um, the first thing I learned was about chakras, never had heard the word chakra before in my life. And so um, really the understanding I had of Reiki from, from going to this woman's house was okay. So it's a, it's a Japanese art form of healing of a, of a method of energy work. And so, um, what she had taught us with the chakras is that we store a lot of energy in our chakras. And so a lot of the pain and the traumas and all the things that we go through, we kind of deposit and it keeps in our energy. And so, um, that's kind of the basic I could give to people. And, and the way I loved that she taught us was 
she had a really intuitive nature. And so it wasn't just about the hand placements because my A personality has led me to go to learn from a bunch of different teachers. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know why I just keep taking classes over and over, but um, I did definitely get, it was good to give me a good perspective of different teachers and their different styles. And so again, Reiki is the movement of energy. And so the basic is like where the person is just laying as if they were getting a massage and they're just really relaxed. And so the practitioner is either taught to just go by hand placement. So it's starting at the feet, let's say, and then you stay there for a minute and then you move your hands, go to another position, maybe above the knees, stay there for a minute. Well, this teacher was very, um, uh, I don't know what I would say, just more about like the Eastern kind of methodology than kind of where we take it in America and we try to make it quick and, and, you know, make it all shorter than what it's supposed to be. She had more of kind of where it originated, which was really feeling into this energy. And I didn't understand energy at this point, but something was like, okay, just be open, just really have an open mind here and just see what happens. And what I loved was just, you know, you myself learning how to be practitioner, closing my eyes and just tuning into this energy that I couldn't really understand or even name, but I was feeling drawn to a certain place over this woman that was before me laying on this table and my hands started to burn. And it was really weird. I had my hands over, you know, above her, I wasn't touching her, but above her, above her chest area. And my hands were on fire. And I was like, Oh, this is really crazy, but I'm just going to hold my hands there. That's what, you know, the intuition I was feeling was just hold your hands there, take some breath, listen to the teacher who's trying to help you. And sure enough, I just felt like, whoa, that was weird. I could feel this like weird release of energy in me. Kind of like what you're saying. You had this heaviness on your chest and then you just kind of feel like, oh, I got lighter. Well, it was like this feeling of like a movement of something that went through me. And then when the woman um, sat up and the teacher was asking her questions and she said, yes, the area that you were feeling that was because I had breast cancer removed from that area. So I was like mind blown. And it was that validation, that confirmation that that woman said that made me go, I don't understand what the heck is happening here, but I'm just going to go with this because something must be working. And it felt really good for me. It, it was the best type of meditation that I had ever experienced. You know, I love getting massages and that was the best I could, you know, kind of explain it at that point was just the most relaxed that you've ever felt and the most like at peace and almost like you were floating. And so it just was like, I don't get any of what is happening right now, but sure, we'll just go with this. And it just grew. And then when I was an esthetician doing facials, I would do Reiki while they had the mask on. So you have like a 10 minute period. So I would kind of tell them a little bit, you know, the short synopsis again, it's just movement of energy. It's just really relaxing. You know, you might feel a little something you might not and see if people wanted to have Reiki while they were having their mask. And sure enough, they did. So while um, they were in getting their, uh, their mask and, and having the Reiki, they were just, you know, in a quiet room, but I started to hear things. And I know that you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. 
But I was like starting to hear these things of like, well, you should ask them this, or, you know, you're feeling this emotion. You should ask them about that. And I'm thinking this is now gone into crazy land. Now <laughs> I've got these here, these things I'm hearing, it's telling me to ask this person. They're going to think I'm absolutely nuts. I am not doing that. So for a while I fought that, that initial, you know, it's just an innate feeling that comes through to you and you hear these things. And so I'm kind of like having this like self-debate, you know, this quiet debate in my head while the person's laying there. So then finally what I did, um, because I was too afraid is when they were checking out, I would say, Hey, did this make any sense? And every single time, of course it did. So I was like, okay, now you've got to get out of your own head, get out of your own way, because obviously this is helpful for people and it's making sense to them. So let's just go with it. So <laughs> then what I would do is I started recording. And so I would just record whatever was coming to me that I was asking them and all of this stuff. And then you know, by the end of it, it was like, wow, I'm actually helping people to bring up these emotions because I've been through it. I know that it's really hard to go to these depths of pain and these emotions that you feel. And it's really a lot easier when you have somebody kind of holding your hand, even if it's over distance, it's still that feeling of support and like, okay, I'm not going into this alone. And, um, and that's what just started to happen. And so it just started to grow into more and more of like a dialogue and working with these people. And that's what led me into the life coaching. So I started as a Reiki practitioner and then I went into life coaching and I just was like a course junkie. So anything that was available, if it was learning about intuition, learning about spirit guides, learning about how to read angel cards, I went to a retreat in Hawaii that was with um, 11 other women and we did all of this beautiful work um, in Hawaii. So it was just like, this is, this is the most amazing thing. I'm helping people, but at the same time I'm helping and I'm healing my own self because I don't think we're ever really done. You know, I don't think that that part of us ever gets to a point where we're like, oh, check that box. I feel like I have healed from losing my husband. <laughs> you know, That's going to go to my last breath. So, wow. Oh my gosh. I love your enthusiasm and everything that you bring. This has been incredible. I don't want to let you go just yet, but I do have one more question. So you talked about people journaling and of course they can come to you and, and have work and session with you, but if they wake up tomorrow morning and they still feel the same way that maybe they feel today, is there any like book or tip or tool or anything that you'd say, maybe try this? Mm. Okay. I'm going to give you, I think three, okay. <laughs> because again, I'm also a book junkie. So I've had a ton through all of my, I mean, ever since I was a kid. So one of the first ones that really, really helped me was Louise. Hay. you can heal your life. I think that is like, everybody should own that book. It is gorgeous and it is such a quick and easy read. And then I love that it's also a resource because at the end of the book, it tells you for any kind of feeling of disease or ailment or whatever you're experiencing, there is a positive affirmation that you can use. And so I really, really fully believe in, in that. And then um, the second book is probably 
when I really started to learn and I was going to these courses and doing these things was Adoring Virtue book. And it was Archangels and Ascended Masters. I use it as another type of tool because I just kind of like hold the book and take a breath and put my energy into it. And then I just open to whatever page it is. And then I just kind of work with whatever that message is. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it's one that you already knew that you needed, or, you know, you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Why that would be coming through. And then the third book, which took me a minute to really actually be able to read was Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. First time I tried to pick up Eckhart Tolle, I was like, this seems like it's in a different language. <laughs> like it just wasn't flowing very easily. But I encourage you to don't get intimidated by it and just be very, very open and see what jumps out to you. Because especially right now, I think with where we are in our world and everything that's happening, that message of the power of now to be in the present moment, you know, not looking ahead, not being in the past, but really starting to live in the present is where the sweet spot is. And that's what I think I've learned. And that's what's helped me get, you know, to the next level and to the next level is just let me be present. Let me understand what I need to understand in this moment and accept that I don't need to be jumping ahead or that I don't need to be living in the past and that everything can come from, from right now. You're incredible. I loved this. I loved this so much. I could just sit here and talk to you for hours. I know I could do this all day long, right? This is like, I could literally talk on this stuff all day, every day. <laughs> You're brilliant. And so thank you for sharing your time and uh, your energy with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I feel like you are brilliant and doing amazing things out there for people. And I just, I think that everything that people are doing is needed. And so I honor you showing up and being in this space and doing all that you do too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. For more information on Courtney's healing work, visit CourtneyEileen.com. Stories like this one are important to tell. It reminds us that even during the darkest times, we can always find light. We can always choose faith over fear. For exclusive content, please join my Spark Plug members-only community and apply to be a guest on this show. Find out more at spiritandspark.com.